Welcome to the Cherry Becker Tax Beat, a conversation about tax that matters. Welcome to this edition of the Cherry Becker Tax Beat Podcast. Today we're talking with Marty Caramon, leader of the firm's tax credit and incentives advisory practice. Marty and his team, as well as many U.S. business taxpayers, have been expecting and and actually might even say praying that Congress would repeal the requirement for businesses to capitalize and amortize research and experimentation expenditures, also sometimes called R&D expenses, R&D cost. Uh, we were hoping Congress would see the light and restore uh, immediate deductibility of these costs for income tax purposes. Um, but alas, it is not to be at this point in time. We will talk about the changes companies face under the current law, recent guidance on how to implement this change in a company's tax return and what this means for those companies claiming the R&D tax credit. So let's introduce today's players. First of all, Mr. Marty Caramon. How are you doing, Marty? I'm doing well today, Brooks. How are you? Okay, okay. And where are you, uh, where are you talking from today, Marty? Today I am at least this part of the week. I'm in I'm in Brooklyn, New York. Soon to go to Michigan for the weekend. All right. And as always, joining me is Sarah McGregor from Greenville, South Carolina. Sarah, Hello. how's life treating you? Uh, life is good, uh, Brooks, Marty. Um, I'm so glad I'm not headed back into cold weather. This blast of cold air we had over the holidays was enough for me. Hmm. I got you. I got you. Well. Stanham might have been good to my children, but he wasn't good to my R&D tax practice. So um, so we have a recent law that was just signed, and we won't go into the details of that law other than to say it did not include what everybody was hoping for, which was the fix to this current deductibility issue. So let's break that down a little bit more. So Marty, why don't you start with explaining what are Section 174 costs? Yeah, absolutely, Brooke. So uh, as the code would define it, 174 costs are those that it says are directly connected to the taxpayer's trade or business and represent R&D costs in an experimental or laboratory sense. That's very similar to what you would see as a definition for R&D expenses for what's known as the research credit, IRC section 41, which has been generally accepted to be considered at least the cost for 41, a subset of 174, meaning it's only a specified number of 174 type costs that are related to the development of new or improved products, processes, or designs, specifically the wages, the taxable wages, supply costs, and contract research costs in the US. Those are 41 costs, but 174, 174 is a much larger bucket of costs um, that taxpayers historically haven't had to necessarily think about due to the fact that they were currently deductible uh, up until 2022, much in a very similar way to what we would call 162 costs. So Marty, um, we're talking about this now, but give us a little bit of background about how this change came about and what's been going on for the last couple of years and, and why is this different now? Yeah, absolutely. And Brooks, to your point, and in terms of Santa being good or not to your R&D tax practice, I don't know how that is actually right now, because it does seem like everybody does want to speak to us 
about this particular development. So we may be busier than ever, but from a taxpayer perspective, it's certainly not as favorable for them. So let's go back in time a little bit. In 2017, the Tax Cuts and Job Act was passed, uh, commonly known as tax reform. And in addition to the reduction of rates, there were revenue raisers in there, one of which was the elimination of deductibility for R&D expenses, which was to begin in 22 and technically did begin in 22. And then what happened since 2017 has been widely anticipated, as Brooks alluded to, that Congress would either delay this requirement for capitalization or eliminate it completely. That, however, didn't happen. There was a lot of legislation passed over the last two years, but this was not part of it, although it had been proposed in many different versions, even all the way back to Build Back Better. Um, so now, under current law, um, for tax years beginning after December 31st, 2021, which uh, meaning for most calendar year taxpayers for the 2022 tax year, costs related to research experimentation are no longer currently deductible, but instead are capitalizable and amortizable over five years for domestic R&D and 15 years for foreign R&D. And then beyond that, um, all software and development expenses, software development expenses are now treated as 174 expenses for purposes um, of capitalization and amortization. So it actually is gonna be quite uh, far reaching into the costs uh, incurred by many taxpayers, whether or not they're claiming a, a research credit. Technically speaking, you're supposed to look at your buckets of costs and categorize them as 174 or 162 and identify those that need to be capitalized and amortized. Yeah, and I think I think that's a very important point that we should emphasize that this five-year amortizational rule applies whether you're taking the R&D tax credit or not, and that just seems you know, really inherently unfair and probably not what Congress was intending to happen, but such are the nuances of the of our labyrinthine tax code. All right, so let's let's move on. So so what are some of the practical effects of this, Marty? So when we talk about capitalization and amortization and a let's just talk about domestic R&D, a five year uh, amortization period, it's even a little more onerous than that because it has a mid year convention. So for the first year, uh, you actually only get one tenth of those costs, not one fifth. Um, so that that will be something to consider as you're considering what your taxable income is. So for companies that have a 2022 tax provision, they're going to have to consider these rules because they're locked right now toward the end of the year. So as they consider what their provision is, um, they'll have to consider what the current law is in 22. Um, practically speaking as well, as we look forward, will this be taken away? It may. It may be addressed, but we don't know to what legislative vehicle it may be attached. Um, and so that's a mystery going forward. Um, but, but we do know that, generally speaking, companies paying tax that engage in R&D are going to have taxable income greater than they would have had when it was currently expensed. Also, those companies in an NOL position may find themselves coming out of NOLs earlier than anticipated due to the fact that their um, expenses on a current basis will be lower than they would have been in the past. So there may need to be some analysis done there. Um, from an international perspective, R&D costs do affect the calculation of guilty FDII and foreign tax credit limitation. And then from a state and local impact as well, R&D costs um, will likely, as I mentioned, increase federal taxable income, which may increase the state and local tax because that is the starting point for many uh, of the uh, many of the states when it comes to identifying what your state and local tax liability might be. So, Marty, as I recall, 
174 offered an opportunity for for taxpayers to capitalize those costs if they were in a lost position or otherwise and amortize it once whatever they were developing uh, started providing some sort of benefits and then they could amortize it over 60 months or longer um, if they chose. But now this is not waiting until there's some benefit realized. You start taking those amortization expenses in the year the costs are actually incurred, not when the patent is activated or the machine is developed or uh, or the software is sold. Is that right? That is right. And what you're talking about specifically is Section 59E and Section 174B. It actually used to be to the taxpayer's benefit to identify 174 costs because it, they had super flexibility when it came, especially with 59E, to identifying, if they wanted to, a certain amount of costs on a current filed return and then decide year over year whether or not they wanted to capitalize and amortize that. Now it's mandatory that these uh, that these costs be capitalized and amortized. Cool. Well, we've talked around this a little bit, but let's talk about um, clarifying how Section 174 R&D expenditures and the Section 41 R&D credit are the same and, and different. Yeah, and this will be the beginning point as companies, at least for companies claiming the credit, identifying their 174 expenses. So from a credit perspective, the only expenses that go into the credit calculation are the wages and specifically the box one W-2 taxable wages paid to employees uh, that are performing R&D. In addition to that, the uh, amounts expended for supply costs and prototype costs as well, and amounts paid to contract research taking place in the U.S. Now, going forward, most companies are going to have to expand the analysis and consider what their 174 costs are on top of those Section 41 costs, meaning it's not just the Box 1 W-2 wage, it's the gross wage plus fringe and other and other things on top of that additionally from a contract research perspective you are only under 41 allowed to include 65 percent of your contract research expenses so for all your contract research you're going to have to do that 35 percent that you're not including to begin with so that's it additionally foreign research from a contract research perspective will have to be included as well additionally there are for example attorney's fees and costs with respect to getting a patent uh, some costs for depreciation, facility costs, overall overhead costs that can go into to, uh, 174. So it's going to be much larger. Um, last point is technically speaking, there's uh, a code section called Section 280C that required the reduction of deductions in the amount of the credit on a year-by-year -year basis. That no longer will apply for most companies going forward. So where companies took either a reduced credit or made an election to take a made an election to take a reduced credit under what's known as 280CC3, uh, that will no longer apply. So companies' research credits will technically go up because they'll be taken to gross credit every year. So I guess that's beneficial. Um, but still the amount of income tax picked up from the loss of deductions in the first year will not be overcome by the amount of this increased credit. Right. That's going to be some complicated math, but uh, uh, on the surface, that would seem to be the case in almost all circumstances. Yeah. All right. Um, so let's just let's you know, we kind of go over the rules. Let's talk about planning for R&D efforts now. Um, how will this change to capitalization, amortization impact a company's efforts in the planning area? From the planning perspective, 
again, they're going to have to start thinking about the fact that their overall taxable income will be higher. Again, under the old method, um, they were able to currently expense this. Additionally, when they're thinking, especially in the context of government contractors who do research that is funded and they couldn't put it in the 41 credit, that funded research may also be included in what's known as a 174 cost as well. Um, from the perspective of abandoned projects, a taxpayer has to actually continue to capitalize and amortize RE over the five or 15 year period. And as Sarah was alluding to earlier, uh, the planning under Section 59E, 174B, and then the just analysis that was done under a, a revenue procedure called RevProc 2000 50, where you could look to uh, your software development costs and find those that were capitalizable versus currently expensed. A lot of that plan is going to, everything's going to be capitalizable and amortizable. So Marty, this is an accounting method change from expensing to capitalizing. Uh, there's been a recent revenue procedure issued by the IRS about how to uh, help companies do this, and it seems to have simplified the process for companies and taxpayers uh, to, to change. Thank goodness they did, and um, I think the IRS was waiting until the end of year to release this because there really hadn't been any guidance on it, so it wasn't until mid-December that uh, RevProc uh, 2023-08 was uh, provided to provide some guidance here um, specific to the fact that, yes, it's an accounting method change, but they're making it somewhat easier due to the fact that if you are filing your next return and you haven't basically on a, on a timely filed basis for 2022, um, there's no need to file a form 3115. Instead, a disclosure statement will go along with the return indicating the name of the employer um, and the identification number of, of the taxpayer, the beginning and end dates of the first taxable year in which the change is required under 174, a description and the type of expenditures included um, as R&E expenses. Also a declaration that the taxpayer is changing the method of accounting. Um, the, the rules are set out fairly clearly in that RefProc. Beyond that, there's also special rules for companies with short taxable years and companies that may have missed the filing as well. So there's guidance in there for all that. So it's going to be important for uh, pretty much any company that might have any sort of research to make sure that this statement is included in their uh, 22 tax return. I think another simplification here, the revenue procedure and the law both said that this change will be made on a cutoff method. Yeah, that and that's very helpful to taxpayers. And, and good news, meaning that the capitalization and amortization apply to expenditures that happen during the tax years beginning, we'll say January 1st, 2022. It applies on a go forward basis. There's no need to undo the expensing that occurred in earlier years. Also, if the taxpayer uh, elected to capitalize and amortize expenses in prior years, those prior elections also stay in place. All righty. So. That's been some very good discussion on this topic. Uh, let's move on to final thoughts. So, uh, Marty, you have any um, thanks, final uh, observations that you would like to share with us? Uh, I would say this. Collect your data. Um, make sure that you are looking at all of the different potential buckets of expenses that could be 174. If you're developing software, keep in mind that these expenses are now uh, amortizable over time as, a, as opposed to being currently deductible. Every company in the world develops some kind of software. That may be an overstatement, but it's pretty close. 
um, prepare for the potential of this potentially being reversed in 2023. We just don't know, but also prepare for the potential of this not being reversed in 2023 and going forward. So we live in another time of uncertainty, but the law is what it is right now. Sarah, what do you got? Uh, I would say I'd really like to get some further guidance from the IRS about how they define software costs, uh, software development, what is a 174 expense and what isn't. Can they give us some parameters around that so it's not um, not so broad and, and it seems like it's ready for taxpayers to, to slip up uh, with some misclassifications. So love to see some more guidance and maybe some safe harbors uh to help taxpayers think, out yeah i think the, the last point that i would like to no, go ahead rick so i'm uh, sorry i was gonna i was gonna echo that sir i mean they they need to give some safe harbors you know um what is and isn't an r d expenditure for the credits been fought over for 50 some years or whatever marty checked me on my year there but um I mean, how how they all of a sudden think there's going to be clarity on what's you know what's an R and D expenditure for 174, uh, you know, when you got tons of conflicting you know uh, rulings all over the place on this stuff. So, all right, Marty, what did you have? I was going to say for either some startup companies or companies that hadn't claimed the research credit before due to the fact that they hadn't done enough analysis to identify R and D expenses or weren't aware of it. I think the um, inclination will be to indicate that their expenses, to the extent they're not software, are not R&D related because they're not going to want to go through the hassle. So essentially, this rule is now incentivizing companies to not claim the R&D credit because why would you want to put the IRS on notice that there is R&D if there's an ability to argue it one way or the other? So I think it's going to be an interesting time. For sure, for sure. All right. All right. That's a wrap. Um, so thank you for listening in on this discussion on the changes in rules for Section 174 R&D cost research and expenditure expenditures, whichever lingo you like. Uh, quick disclaimer that we're not providing tax advice on this podcast. Please consult with your tax advisor, hopefully at Cherry Beckert, with your specific tax issues or to discuss information from today's podcast. Please email Marty Caramon any time, day, or night for follow-up questions. Uh, check out the firm's website at cbh.com for the latest guidance materials on this and other tax and business topics. This concludes today's podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you, Marty. Thank you, Sarah. And thank you, our listeners, for listening, uh, for spending your time with us. We truly appreciate it. Let's call it a day and go forth in peace. <laughs>